everybody. Welcome back to Eavesdrop with Eva. I'm your host, Eva, and it is so great to be back with you guys. I know I haven't produced much since this summer, but we've been taking time as a family to evaluate what things are important to us, what things are not as important. We've been getting into a routine, a daily schedule, and we've been taking time to focus on our kids and being the best parents that we can for them. And while I love to do these podcasts and share with everyone, I have to remind myself that God charged me to raise my family and be a good wife and be a good mom to my kids. And that comes first. And this podcast will always come second. And so it's been a great time away because creating these podcasts for you guys takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time away from my family. It's been refreshing. I've been studying. I've been researching. I've been educating myself. I've been doing life with my family. I've been watching the world around me. And I feel like God has given me a new perspective and more inspiration and goals for my for myself through the message I share on this podcast. So I have lots of episodes coming that are going to have lots of good information for families that are trying to navigate life either with a toddler that is on the spectrum or babies and they're trying to figure out how to go about life and what do we do with our kids? Do we take them places? Do we let them have the tablet? What doctor do we choose and why do we choose that doctor? Just lots of small different things like that. But today's episode, I want to hone in on one big fact. And that fact is we are advocates everywhere we go. I know the overall goal for the podcast is to teach you to advocate for your child. And that typically looks like in the school building setting, the educational setting. But I can't just focus on one and not everything else because I would be doing a disservice to the people that listen to my podcast. Because like I said, God has charged us to raise our families. God's chosen us to raise our children. He's chosen us to do the hard work to make sure that they are getting the best that they possibly can, not just from us, but from others that be the children's ministry at church or the doctor's office or whatever it may be for you. It's a hard job, but it's a necessary job. And if we drop the ball in one area, we don't even know what the effects could be from that happening whether it's an immediate response or it's something two or three years down the road. So we have to advocate everywhere. And today I'm going to share a couple of different things that have happened recently with myself and Murray that really made that statement very prominent in my mind. Murray has an autism diagnosis. It has been in her file everywhere we go. She got it right before she turned two. I got her in a study at Vanderbilt. So The people that need to know, 
This is common knowledge to them. However, I've come to find that people that should know this information and should be paying attention to this information are not entirely aware, meaning either they're not paying enough attention to my child's records or they just don't bother to look. So we got her diagnosis at Vanderbilt. And so, of course, that comes with the new, I guess, terrain. I've made air quotes around that word because it's a whole new world. That opened a lot of doors for Murray, um, medically, educationally, because that diagnosis opens doors to lots of different therapies, services, and whatnot, and you don't have to fight as hard for it, because once it's in paper writing diagnosed, there's no really arguing, and so her doctor has been aware that she has an autism diagnosis, and she has speech delay. It's very obvious. It has been very obvious from the beginning. And so we've been on this long journey with Children's Rehab Services. They're angels, and they do lots of good work for the special needs community. It just takes a long time because there's such a huge need for these resources that they provide. And the waiting list is at least six months to just get in to see them and say hello. So we've been on a journey with CRS to get Murray a speech device and have insurance pay for it. And so we were in CRS for the, they call it ACT clinic, assistive communication technology clinic. And they said, okay, so this is great. We see Murray has been practicing with this device. She uses it well. She uses it independently. Her speech therapist at school has done a great job with her, teaching her, and we work on it at home also. And they said, we're going to start the paperwork so that we can get the ball going to get her a device and insurance pay for it. And then they said, they'll pay for it 100%, but it's going to take four months My first thought was, wow, four months to get a device that benefits my child so well. Murray has started to talk a lot more. She's started to become conversational. Her conversational body language, so making eye contact, um, looking at the person she's talking to, that's picked up some. She's, She's really doing great, but her language is not understandable. And we are currently on a journey to figure out why that's the case. She really benefits from that device to be able to effectively communicate so that people can understand what she's trying to tell them. Because still, when someone talks to you and you don't understand them, obviously, if you're having them repeat themselves constantly, it gets frustrating. And so imagine a three-year-old getting frustrated because she's trying to tell you something and you don't know what she's saying. So that device comes in handy a lot when it comes to situations where she's trying to talk, but you can't understand what she's saying. So back to CRS. We did all the paperwork, signed all the papers. They said, we need clinic notes from your pediatrician stating that she would benefit from an assistive technology device, and it has to be signed and dated. You have to go in person. I asked, is it possible that... She constantly writes down that she's delayed in language. 
would that be sufficient for the insurance company? I have to justify to the insurance company, despite all my documentation on my child, that she needs a device to help her be able to learn, be able to communicate. So they sent over the stuff, made an appointment to go in for the doctor to say hello and sign a piece of paper. And she had exactly one week to do it. And Maybe, I guess, I guess it hurt my feelings. Maybe I didn't feel heard or maybe I didn't feel like I was cared about or that my child was cared about because she sat with the paperwork for a week. And when I went in for the appointment, she said, I'm still confused about what I'm supposed to do with this. In my head, I was saying, what do you mean you're confused with what you're supposed to do with this? You, um... You're the doctor. Do you not do this stuff? I mean, do you see more than one autistic child on your caseload? Like, these are my internal thoughts. I obviously did not say these things because I really try to be cordial and not cause trouble when I go places. And she was like, do I sign it and do I date it? And I was like, well, I don't really know what the paper looks like. Is that what it says to do? And she was like, I think so. So she did that. And so we're just sitting there, and she's, uh, she looks at me and says, so what does this lamp thing actually do? And I was almost blindsided by the question, not because it's an uncommon question. I, I have to explain lamp all the time to people. It's not that big of a deal. I love talking about the lamp device because the lamp device has done so much good for my child. It was the fact that my child's doctor, who's supposed to care about her, who's supposed to be an advocate for her, had paperwork for a week that said lamp device. And it seemed to me as if she couldn't even be bothered to Google what a lamp device was. Knowing lamp's website has videos and tons of resources and information for people to learn about what they do. I was heartbroken for my child. That's what I felt. I was heartbroken for her because I have had to constantly say, I need a referral for this. I need a referral for this. And she gets them. But you couldn't even bother to Google lamp device. I showed her a video, a little short clip of Murray using it and how it it helps her effectively communicate what she wants. And she didn't even finish watching the video. She was like, okay, I got what it is now. And so it didn't even take that long. And it's not that I had to take the time to tell her. Well, it is the fact that I had to take the time to tell her. Not because I had to, but because of the fact that she didn't have do the due diligence of doing it herself before she saw us in the office. So as a parent, I'm at the stage currently where I'm evaluating how do I advocate for my child in the pediatrician office because right now I'm not feeling heard, I'm not feeling valued or cared for when it comes to my child. And she's been seeing Murray for like over two years now. So does advocating for my child at this stage look like changing pediatricians? Maybe so. My current lean is yes. That looks like finding a different doctor for my children because I feel like the statistics for children on the spectrum is one in 30 kids 
So doctors see hundreds of children in their practices. If the statistics are 1 in 30, and I'm the first parent to teach you what a LAMP device is, how many other autistic children in your practice are missing out on services and needs because you're not addressing them? Just a question to think about. Moving on. You are your child's advocate in school. We all know that. That's not an uncommon thing. You're your child's greatest advocate. You're your child's advocate for the doctor. You're your child's advocate at therapy. Okay, so we talked about early intervention, how they take a family approach to therapy. They come alongside the parents, teach the parents how to help their children using therapeutic strategies And they help educate parents. I love our early intervention family. I went to some professional development training with our early intervention friends, and it was great. We learned so much good stuff. Um, But when it comes to therapy, once they age out of early intervention, they are moving from early intervention into the school system. They get a set number of therapy sessions a week through the school system, but typically it's not always enough. So that leads to needing outside therapy. Someone had recommended a therapy group. They raved about them. So I said, I want a referral to this place for speech and OT for Murray. They said, okay, we'll send it over. It got sent over on her birthday last year. I'm recording this. It is November 3rd, okay? I didn't hear back with an appointment from that therapy group until... September two months ago. So it was almost a year from the time I had the referral sent until the time I got in their building. It was very frustrating, but you know, there is a lot of demand for speech and OT services, and the ability to provide those services is limited because there's only so many speech therapists, there's only so many occupational therapists, you know, I get that. When I went into the building, they have a big push. And this is not just this one therapy session place. This is is a lot of places. They have this big push for kids to go by themselves, which I get that. Kids have to learn to transition. That's not something that's lost on me as a parent of a child that has autism and just a mom of three. Kids have to learn how to transition. They have to learn to do things independently. However, if you're paying for therapy and they don't want you in the room so that you can learn and you can help your child yourself, that's a red flag. This may come off as snobby or rude, but you have to hear my heart when I say this. If it doesn't bother you that they want to bill your insurance extra sessions instead of having you sit in the session and learn how to help your own child, you need to reevaluate. Therapists make money off of the insurance and your copays. So if they're only allotted 26 sessions for the year, but they say, we can request more. And so say your child goes in once a week for therapy. That's 52 sessions. So they're going to ask for double the amount of therapy sessions than insurance originally allows. Then they're only seeing your child once a week and they just are not, because you weren't in the session, you're not able to practice those skills that they worked on. They'll give you a summary about what they did, 
but it's not the, the same as seeing it yourself. And so they have to request all these extra services because there's no reinforcement of what's been learned in the sessions. We take away the family aspect of the therapy session. We take away the ability for the child to receive help from more than just one person. I'm not saying therapy is a scheme. I am not saying therapy is only in it for the insurance's money. I'm just pointing out things that I have personally seen and the stance that I like to take. And the stance I like to take is, as my child's advocate, I need to know what you're teaching my child so I can either work on those things ourselves at home in between sessions or so I can decide if I agree or disagree with what is happening in that session and I can evaluate whether I want to continue or not. Because the majority of sessions are not recorded because it's a violation of HIPAA. So I feel like therapy would be more successful if the family aspect was incorporated into sessions. And I don't think that the push for parents to be not involved is the best route of going in the therapy world. But so this first place that we took, Murray, they talk, they rave about how we'll go get the kid from the car. We'll take them in, do session. You can go get a coffee. You can just take a nap. You can do whatever you want. We'll bring them out when we're done. And for me, with a child that is semi-verbal, but not verbal enough to be able to speak for herself, that is not okay. How am I supposed to trust strangers with my child in a building without her being able to tell me what has happened, what's going on. I'm not seeing for myself what's happening. No, I have no evidence that anyone has been abused in this building. However, my nonverbal child can't tell me if she is or not. As my child's advocate, I have to advocate for her safety. As your child's advocate, you have to advocate for your child's safety. These are non-negotiable things. We have to ensure our children are safe everywhere they go. And so taking my child in the building, doing what you want with her, and then bringing her back to me when you're done does not sit well with me. And it's not something that I feel is appropriate for my child. And if you do this at your therapy sessions, I'm not saying that you're a bad parent. I'm not saying you don't care about your child. Because we do need a break. Our job is hard. Being an advocate for your child is a hard job, and it's an everyday, all-day job. That is not lost on me. This past week, Murray went into her 30-minute speech session by herself with her therapist because her sister was with me, and that's too distracting. But before Murray went in that session by herself, I went in with her, and I made it very clear that I would very rarely be separating from Murray And the therapist said, okay, that's fine. There was no pushback. We are not at the same place that I was just describing to you. This is a different therapy group. But as an advocate, your job is to make sure that the therapy that your child's receiving is adequate and efficient and is going to actually help your child. And I believe that the family, the mom, dad, caregiver, brother and sister should all be involved in helping the child grow. All right, so daycare. I've said in previous episodes of my podcast that our daycare has been a huge part of the growth we've seen in Murray. 
they work so hard for her. And they work with me. They work with her therapists. They are constantly learning and training with strategies and being aware of different behaviors and how to intervene with those behaviors. And so we're a team and that partnership with her daycare has made the difference in Murray's development and her growth. If your child has special needs and your daycare is not open to learning more about your child's disability, that should be a red flag. If you ask questions about your child's day and they act like they don't really have the time to deal with you, that's a red flag. If your child comes home with marks and bruises and whatnot and they can't justify how any of it happened, that's a red flag. If your child is put in the corner or off to themselves constantly throughout the day and not actually integrated into the classroom setting because of the fact that they have disabilities and different needs, that is a red flag. As your child's advocate, it's your job to push for them to get the best of the best, and that includes at daycare. You may not be there, but your daycare should be willing to give you the play-by-play, and they should be willing to help your child grow their social needs to be able to be a part of the class. If daycare is treating your child more like a burden than a member of the community, you need to find another daycare which I know finding daycares are hard, but they are a huge part of your child's life. A lot of times the daycare has your child more than you have your child. So if they're not on board with providing the um, interventions your child needs throughout the day to learn to be successful, if they're not willing to work with you on getting the therapy to come in and work with your child, If they're not willing to treat your child just like they treat everybody else, we have a situation that is not okay and I don't honestly think is beneficial for your child or for you because if you're practicing things at home and then they're at daycare for eight hours a day and nobody is doing anything you've asked them to practice with your child, that's detrimental to your child because your child's awake and learning for the majority of the time that they're with their daycare staff. So that's just something for you to ponder and think about as you are navigating that that area of your life. If you were having red flag moments with your daycare or whatnot, um, these are things for you to think about. Um, And then the last one, which I kind of hate to bring up, but it's also important. You have to advocate with your family too. So we've had several family members that didn't even want to acknowledge that Murray was different. Even though they'd seen her from the time she was a baby, they didn't want to acknowledge that she just was not like everybody else. Very close family members, too. And they would question me, asking me why I didn't do more for Murray. Why Murray isn't talking like she's supposed to. Why she isn't walking like she's supposed to. It was a constant dialogue of why are you not being good enough for your child? And at the end of the day, I had to look at them and say, I am being good enough for my child. She just has needs that are different than everybody else's. And you're going to have to be okay with that, or you're just not going to be able to interact with Murray. 
because Murray is different. She has different needs, but she is also still a child and she still needs the typical things that a child needs. She needs to be loved. She needs to be played with. She does not need you constantly questioning her development. She does not constantly need you questioning me on why she doesn't do things like everybody else. She doesn't need me constantly trying to correct you when you're trying to make her do things she either can't do or doesn't want to do. These are hard conversations to have with family members, but sometimes they are very necessary. Advocating for your child with family is one of the hardest things that you can do. But at the end of the day, it's about raising a child. A child that God has trusted you with to make the right decisions for. And it, it goes farther than just Murray. It goes with all three of our kids. If family members are not behaving in ways that line up with how our family believes, we have to have hard conversations. And we have to say, hey, this is not okay. We're not going to act like this around our kids or our kids are not going to come around here. We always have to be willing to advocate for our kids because they are, because they're so important and they're so special. And it's a hard job and it never ends. And sometimes I feel like it might be a little crazy. But at the end of the day, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I can look myself in the mirror and say, You've done your best, and one day your kids are going to be better for it because I stood my ground and I fought for them the way they needed to be fought for. Advocating for your kids is so important, and it is everywhere in our world. It's in every aspect of life that you have to advocate for your kids, and I know it's hard, and I know sometimes it can be awkward, and it can be difficult, and it can be tiring, and... You can say, if I have to go to another meeting, I might go crazy. But it's all part of it. And at the end of the day, it's the hard work that shows the most progress. I know sometimes it would feel like for us that we're in the middle of it and we're like, this is never going to end. Why can't anyone do better for my kid? What's going to happen so much unknown goes through your mind and then one day you wake up and you walk in the bedroom and they sit up in the bed and they look at you and they go hi mommy and every day you sat there and you fought with the child to try to at least sign more tell me something all the sessions running around like you're crazy all the fights with family members and friends that don't understand or they just don't care all the meetings at school where you're frustrated and you're angry because you know they can do better, but you don't see how they're going to. And all the work that you do, sitting on the living room floor, on the rug, repeat after me, mommy, mommy. When that moment finally comes and they're, they say, hi, mommy. Who cares how hard you had to work to get it because you got it. I would do it all over again. I have no regrets for how I've had to advocate for my child and work hard for my child. She is a gem. She is so sweet. Ugh. She is worth every tear, every dollar, every minute, every car ride. Fight for your kids. Work hard for your kids. Do the best that you can for your kids.
Never stop learning. Never stop growing. Never stop being involved. Your kid needs you more now than ever. If you want to see growth in your kid, put in the hard work. You will not regret it. Thanks for dropping in. Eve's dropping with me on Eve's Drop with Eva. I hope you learned something new today. Thank you.